0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her
1: Money is proudly sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. When we look ahead to retirement, one big question, big, is are you doing everything you can to maximize your social security benefits and save for the future? It's time to make sure your plan is rock solid. Visit planefe.com slash hermoney to learn more about specific ways to do just that with a complimentary wealth checkup.
2: Hey, it's Motley Fool Money co-host Dylan Lewis here. If you're listening to us, it's because you love following the stock market and learning about business stories. If you're looking to keep learning and unlock your potential, then you should check out the Think Fast, Talk Smart podcast produced by our friends over at the Stanford Graduate School of Business.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Jean Chatsky. Thanks so much for joining me today on Her Money. So, I can't even believe I am going to say this, but we have been publishing this podcast weekly for 7 years. We have never missed an episode. How crazy is that? Back in the beginning, it was just me and Kelly with our dream of making a show by women for women about our money, our goals, our work life, our retirement, you name it. And Since then, the Her Money team has grown a lot. We have published books, most recently How to Money, which we wrote with our editorial director, Catherine Tuggle, who you all know. We have started a second podcast called How She Does It, with host Karen Feinerman, who you've heard on this show, also met on our Investing Fix program, and Karen has chatted with so many amazing women. And we've worked with literally thousands of you to help you budget better and learn to invest in our Investing Fix and Finance Fix courses, not to mention our Her Money Facebook group has almost 20 thousand members. I love the way that you all jump in and rally around each other, responding to every question posted in the group with so much care and so much thought. And that's why we wanted to devote this 400th episode to you. It's a special mailbag edition. We know mailbag is a lot of your favorite segments, so we asked all of you to send in your most pressing questions, questions that you wanted to chat about in real time, and then I had the opportunity to speak with four listeners, four amazing women, live on the air. Let's get into it. Our first listener joining us today is Samantha, and can I honestly say I was just so moved By how thoughtful her question was, our hearts and our minds are all with the innocent people suffering from political conflicts around the globe. And naturally, it makes us wonder where to keep our money so it stays safe. Here's her question. Hi, Samantha. Hey, Jean. How are you? I'm good. Where are you calling in from?
3: I am calling in from Maryland. I'm in Frederick, Maryland.
1: Tell me just a little bit about you and where this question comes from.
3: Well, I appreciate you asking. I appreciate the opportunity. I was excited when I heard it was a 400th episode coming up. And I thought, you know what? this is a good time to ask a question. And I've been following you for a long time. I consider you one of my financial mentors. And I thought, hey, this is a challenging time. We're going through an interesting time kind of culturally. And when I look out there, we've got a lot of like social unrest, a lot of civil unrest. And in my thoughts, I thought there's global atrocities happening right now. And there's countries declaring war on one another. During that time, what happens to our finances? What happens to our savings and our investments? How do we protect our wealth during this time? And when we look back in history, history has kind of shown us that war can ravage a land physically, it can take life from us, but it also can really deplete the wealth of a people and their country. And I just kind of got to thinking like, where is my money? What can happen to it right now?
1: Boy, it is such a good question to be asking right now. Right after the attack of Israel on October 7th, we had a a session of Investing Fix, our investment club for women, and we took a, a look at what happens in times of war to the markets, to investments, what kind of companies tend to do well, what kind of companies tend to suffer. And What's interesting is that markets hate uncertainty, right? They they really don't like not knowing. And so they unsurprisingly went down following the original Hamas attacks, just like they did at the beginning of the war in Ukraine. But then they've recovered and they've recovered fairly quickly and a lot of money started to flow into what we tend to think of as safer havens. And a lot of those safer havens tend to be in the United States. Our bonds are still considered virtually risk-free. They are backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. And so this is not just where Americans have, have put their money in times of uncertainty. It's where the world has really put its money in times of uncertainty. There are some sectors that tend to do well during these times, utilities tend to do well. Real estate, the sort of consumer purchases that we have to buy, consumer needs, not consumer wants, those things tend to do well during volatile times. Energy stocks also do well, although oil has been a bit of a question mark because so much of this activity is taking place in the Middle East. But one of the things that we know for sure that has been a positive is that the U.S. has has really diversified where we get our oil, from in recent years and so I think the overarching advice is to make sure that you've got as always a good cash stash for emergencies you want that emergency fund to be working for you right now I actually I have a stash of cash that I've been stockpiling for a renovation that we're doing at our house at the Jersey Shore and I went to visit it yesterday and just sort of see what it looks like and I I looked at the interest that I had earned on this account over the year and I was just like, "Oh my god. I have earned real money on my savings for the first time in so many decades." And that that felt great, but it's not happening if you don't have your savings in a high yield account. So make sure that you've got that. Make sure that your portfolio is widely diversified. That you are really covering the different asset classes, stocks, bonds, real estate, commodities. As you said, I mean, that the entire infrastructure of countries is being wiped out. We, of course, hope that that will never happen in the United States. But, you know, should your real estate suffer from some natural disaster, you want to make sure that not only are you insured, but the rest of your portfolio is there to back you up. And knowing that you're well diversified across all the sectors of the market means that your portfolio will be better able typically to handle the volatile ups and downs. Yes, we had a terrible year across the board in 2022. We hope that we won't get another one of those for a while. You may want to boost The amount of money or to put a little bit of money into a defensive portfolio, that can include things like government bonds. It can include precious metals. It can include dividend paying stocks. Doesn't have to be a huge sector of your portfolio, but you might want to put a little bit. And then I think the big question is, will you be able to sleep at night having done that? to your portfolio and if you find that you can't then the answer is not to get out because we never know when the best days in the market are going to come the answer is to just take a little bit off the table and put it into some cash bearing account
3: great that's super helpful all of those things are doable manageable and and feel like all the right steps so thank you that's really helpful
1: oh i'm glad It's nothing revolutionary, right? I mean, it's when we just come back to putting on our pants one leg at a time because it's been shown to work. And so historically, we hope that history stays true to itself in some way. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I appreciate it. My pleasure.
3: Thank you for the opportunity. And I love that we're going past 400 episodes. And this is such a great network. Love it. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Our second question comes from Laura. And funnily enough, I've been talking a lot about the question she has, which is about figuring out a retirement that's right for you. Whether that means working a part-time job to keep a little money coming in or spending more time with your family or traveling the world, here she is.
0: Laura, hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about you. Well, I'm 64 and I retired earlier this year after some family stresses. My husband died, and decided I'd saved enough for retirement. We saved close to a million. My Social Security is three thousand a month. Our house is worth about two million, and it's under a sales contract. It should close in early 2024, and after sales costs and commissions, we should net about two million. Great. So my question is whether or not I should reverse my Social Security election. And I started that in January and I believe you have 12 months to reverse it. And the reason is because after I retired, I decided that I was bored and I missed Interacting with people and having a goal and contributing. So I started a coaching business, a life coaching and career coaching business. And I've been training for that for a few years. So while I haven't made much money this year, I should make money in 2024 and thereafter, as long as I continue to feel good and want to do the coaching. So I'm not sure exactly how much I will earn, but I don't like being taxed on the, the social security and the earnings and not quite sure what I will earn. So it kind of muddies the picture.
1: Yeah, I totally get it. Social security is just a big, unwieldy follow wax, right? With so many different decision points about when to take it, when to wait, whether you should work, how much you should work. Very, very complicated. Let me just ask you a few follow-up questions, and then we'll we'll talk about an answer. How is your health?
0: Well, that's the kicker is I don't know. And I decided to take Social Security early or earlier than full retirement age because I have an incurable lymphoma. So I've been in remission for almost four years. According to the the doctors, the the clinical studies, the research studies, I have an expected life expectancy of someone the same age without it because I've been in remission for over two years. But then again, every time I see my oncologist, like every six months, he goes, it'll probably come back. And if it comes back, they have lots of drugs to fight it. But it's the question of how strong will I be? Will I want to work on the side? So I always thought I should collect Social Security early because I'd have to live to 82 to meet the delta between collecting at 64 and collecting at 67 or or 70. So I've done those calculations.
1: Right. And for people who are listening in general... And again, in general, because there are a lot of things that get very personal as far as Social Security is mm-hmm. concerned. But for every year you wait between age 62 and age 70 to claim, you get a bump in benefits equal to about 8%. And that's that's really significant. And if you're expecting that you are going to have an average or long lifespan, then In many, many cases, if not most cases, it makes sense to wait to take Social Security as long as you can, to full retirement age, which for most people is 67, or to age 70, if you can do it. And it's particularly important if you are the higher earner in the family. The other wrinkle here, which Laura referred to, is that if you work, Social Security starts deducting from your benefits for amounts where you earn over a specific limit each year. So for 2023, the limit is $21,240. If you're under full retirement age, under 67 in this case, they're going to deduct a dollar from your benefit for every $2 that you earn which is very painful for a lot of people to hear. On the flip side of that, you'll get that money back. That will be added back to your benefit when you stop working, essentially. Oh, really? I didn't remember that. Yeah, so that amount of money will be added back to your benefit in the form of a higher benefit. So that 3000 that you're receiving now will actually be higher in the future i'm just curious as far as you mentioned that your husband died are you on his social security record or are you on your own no i'm on mine yeah yours was greater than was primary yeah okay so then we don't have to deal with that but for a lot of people when the man is the higher earner in the family it's extremely beneficial to wait to take benefits because you want to max out that benefit because generally the man will die first and then if his spouse's social security record is less valuable than his own, you can claim on that benefit. You can step into those shoes, but that's not true in your case. Here's sort of where I am on this. You're absolutely right. You can essentially repay Social Security benefits after you enroll. It's called withdrawing your benefits. You can do it within the first year after you claim. You have to pay back any money that you've earned from Social Security, which I take it would not be a problem for you. No. Not a problem. And then Social Security treats it like you never enrolled. Your monthly check continues to grow, and then you can start taking your, your benefits again. On the flip side, you could just continue to take the benefits, not knowing exactly how much you're going to earn next year. I mean, you think it could be a substantial amount, but maybe it won't be as much as you think. You could take that money. You could just invest it. It could continue to grow in a discretionary brokerage account. You could even, because interest rates are so high, Just put it in CDs or put it in a high-yield savings account. Are you going to make the full 8%? No, but you'll have it to do the things that you want to do. And I think in your case, and look, I am not an accountant and I'm not an actuary, but I do believe we need to grab life when we have the opportunity to grab life. And if there are things that you've been wanting to do, and you mentioned to me before we started chatting that you have moved to live near your daughter, if you want to travel, if you want to have other adventures, clearly you are not somebody who likes to sit still if you're launching a new business now, if you want to improve your house, if there are other things on your list that having this money flowing in would allow you to do comfortably. You're well-situated for retirement. You really are in a very, very good position. And I'd like to see you do those things. I'd like to see you figure out what's important to you. And because life is uncertain, and it's uncertain for people who don't have cancer, but it's even more uncertain for people who do, I would prefer you to try to enjoy yourself more with
0: whatever money you have coming in. How does that sound? sounds great. I've already planned a trip to Europe uh, next summer, so I'm very excited. Stay somewhere amazing
1: and eat really good food.
0: Yes. Any follow-ups? No, I think that answered the question. I think it probably just, I will let it ride and I'll recoup the extra Social Security at the end when if I, if I earn, end up earning a lot of money. Absolutely.
1: Nothing wrong with earning a lot of money and, and recouping some more at the end. So, thanks for the call, Laura. Thank you so much for listening. And I understand you checked out our other podcast, How She Does It.
0: What do you think? Yes, I loved it. I listened to Olivia Summerhill's episode where she talks about divorce and high earners. And then I connected with her on LinkedIn. And I think she's very interesting and very fun to talk to. Amazing. Yes. I'm glad that
1: you found it. And thank you for being part of the Her Money community. No, thank you. Stay well. And now we're going to take a quick break. Make sure you check out Karen's new podcast, How She Does It, for intimate cocktail party style conversations with today's most influential women. Her Money is proudly sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. Retirement is on the horizon. And when we talk about saving and investing to prepare for our future, we also have to talk about Social Security. It is an important part of our financial futures, but too many of us don't do enough to maximize our Social Security benefits. That's why it may be time for a wealth checkup to help make sure your strategies are the best they can be for your unique situation. Personally, I think everyone, everyone needs a checkup about 10 years out from retirement. You can schedule your complimentary wealth checkup at planefe.com hermoney. And we are back with our 400th episode, Ask Me Anything, where you asked me your most pressing questions live. Our third question comes from a listener named Bonnie. She recently lost her mom. She came into an inheritance. And she's got a unique situation because she's also an actor. So she wants to know how to grow that money, but also have enough to pay her day-to-day bills when the checks aren't coming in. Here she is. Hi. So what's up? What's going on? Tell us a little bit about what's happening in your life and how I can help.
4: Okay, so I inherited money from an estate, and someone hands you this chunk of money you've never had before, and I was curious what you would advise to do with it besides your traditional, put it in a Roth IRA or et cetera, especially since some things you have to liquidate in a certain amount of time. I was just curious if you had any advice on that.
1: Sure. Tell me a little bit more about this money. Is it, is are we talking a big chunk? Who did you inherit it from? Where is it sitting? Sure.
4: So I inherited from my mom and her estate. That includes her 401k, any IRAs she had. And that actually even included some money she had inherited from my grandmother. So I have it all at Wells Fargo right now, and like, you know, different versions of some investment. But then I also just have a cash account. And I feel like it's just sitting there. And I don't know how to make it work for me, especially as an actor. I'm kind of like the perfect person who I don't have my regular bi weekly paycheck where I take money out for my own 401k. That's very like contract based. So, I'm like the perfect candidate to be like, what do I do with this money in terms of investing or kind of like having a little more freedom and fun with it?
1: Well, first of all, I'm sorry about your mom. And part of the reason that inheritances are so tough is because there's so much emotion wrapped up in them. And we want to honor the person who left us this money. It's also, for most of us, a bigger chunk of money than we've ever seen before. And so we don't want to blow it a lot going on there, which is why often my first piece of advice is just sit on it for six months. Like, don't do anything, because when we're feeling so emotional, sometimes we do things that we regret. How long have you had it, this money? And as you look out into your future, what do you want? What are the big items on your list? Is it just security, trying to carve out a way to provide yourself with a paycheck? Is it a house? Is it an apartment? Is it something else, starting a business? What's on your list?
4: Okay, so I've had this money now for probably, it's like a little over two years, two and a half years you know, I also have a chunk of money in a separate account from my aunt who left me as a beneficiary on our life insurance. So I actually have like two inheritances kind of just hanging out. And the thing that I feel like I want to eventually do with this money is buy a house because that's something like, again, as an actor, especially a stage actor, it's like so rare that we can afford to buy ourselves a home that's, you know, a little bit on the higher end or whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm like, just to just comfort and it's so like a little bit of security. Like, that's all I really need. I would love to maybe take some of it and travel once a year and take a trip. But when I look at it, I'm like, this is my house money. That's usually where I go.
1: And round numbers, what are we talking about? All in. And how much of that is sitting in an IRA?
4: Okay. I know how much I have in cash. Let I me mean, do the math. Yeah, <laughs> when I went, I went to school. I didn't have to take math at college, <laughs> um, and there's a reason we count to four and eight as singers and dancers. So I have probably a little over a hundred thousand in cash. Okay, like maybe one hundred and twenty thousand in cash, and then I truly don't know how much is in my IRA.
1: I'd have to like <laughs> count in total are we talking hundreds of thousands mid hundreds of thousands millions i
4: would say no we're in like the low hundreds of thousands like probably
1: somewhere between
4: 150,000
1: and 200,000 and that includes what your aunt left too
4: mm-hmm.
1: okay so here's what i think i would leave the cash in cash and mm. and i would leave the cash in cash because buying a house is on your list And with interest rates where they are right now, you're likely going to want to put a decent chunk down so that you can avoid private mortgage insurance and maybe minimize the mortgage a little bit, make sure that you've got that going. I'd potentially consider The money that has to come out of the IRA. So when you inherit money in an IRA, and I think you know this by the way that you asked the question, you have 10 years to get that money out of the IRA. You got to take it in distributions and you have to clear it within 10 years. If travel is an item on your list that is way up there, then I might think about using those IRA distributions for travel. On a regular basis or for whatever your annual goal happens to be. And then I would think about the rest of the money, the investments, as your future retirement. We've got to retire sometime You're in your 30s, is it Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So this is the gear up time. This is when you want to be putting money away for retirement and doing it on a regular basis. And when you've got money that you're earning, you want to be making contributions to your own IRAs and Roth IRAs and things like that and making sure that it's growing for your future. The cash component can work for you at this point, and it should work for you. I don't know where that cash is sitting and what kind of an account it's sitting in, but it should be sitting in a high yield savings account mm-hmm. where it's paying you four to five percent interest because on that hundred to hundred and twenty thousand dollars alone, you're gonna earn five or six thousand dollars a year and that's just gonna continue to grow for you. And that's great. You yeah. know, keep that going. But I don't think I would go too crazy as far as other things. Take your time try to figure out when the house is in the cards and make sure that those investments are invested pretty aggressively based on your age because you've got such a long time until retirement. Does that make sense?
4: It does. And something that always crosses my mind is I'm by myself. So like sometimes I think about, well, do I need to buy a house? Is that just things? Society's like, and then you buy a house where I'm like, I rent right now. I can afford my rent in my jobs that I work. And say that I just continued to rent, do you think I still keep the cash there or figure out in the next five years I'm not going to buy? Like, it just doesn't make sense
1: for me. Well, tell me about your work situation. I mean, how regular a paycheck do you get?
4: So besides being an actor, which when I have a, a gig, those paychecks weekly are great. But it's for three months, sometimes it's six months, sometimes it's you can even be in a shorter contract. So I try to like to kind of like remove that and just think about my full time gigs. And I have a pretty regular paycheck. I have my own little side business that I have. And then I also work at a gym. And then I am a dance teacher. So between those three things, I have a pretty stable income month to month. You know, of course, they're all freelance gigs. But I kind of know where I'm going to fall. Every quarter.
1: Do you feel on your current income that mm-hmm. you can save? You move some money every single month into a Roth IRA?
4: I don't know if right now I could save. I would have to be a little more tight on my budget, but I also now, because of my life circumstances, also I'm just like, do I want to not go out to dinner twice a month? Just to take a small amount of money and put it away when I have in the background some of these funds that I know about, or do I want to live my life because now I think because of what happened to my mom, I kind of like don't say no to things because had she known the way she was going to leave this earth, she would have said yes to going on one or two more trips, probably, but sometimes I'm just like I would only be able to save on that kind of money a hundred to 200 a month, maybe
1: so a hundred to two hundred a month is not insignificant. Mm -hmm. But I also understand you've got these other funds and you can put them to work for you. To answer your question, no, I don't think you have to buy a home. And I especially don't think you have to buy one now. The calculus has never been more in favor of people who rent than it is right now. It's very expensive to buy a home, and it's a lot cheaper to rent. And so for a lot of people right now, renting is going to be the right move. At some point, you're going to want to make sure that you're on track for retirement. Right. And that essentially means we we have a series of benchmarks that we follow where we Look at the amount of money that we have in retirement accounts. And by your 30s, you should have one times your income in a retirement account. By your 40s, you should have three times. By your 50s, you should have six times. By your 60s, you should have eight times. And by the time you retire, you should have about 10 times your income in a retirement account that you can use to fund the rest of your life. Now with this sum of money, if you put it to work in the right way, it probably could create that for you. You may need to add to it a bit, but you're way ahead of the 30 age range benchmark. So you can use the growth on that money to propel you into the future. It does probably mean taking some of the money that you have in cash and putting it to work. And you may want to start a habit of just open a Roth IRA and move money on a regular basis out of that cash account into that IRA where it goes to work and just continue that habit for the rest of your life. Money that your cash is gonna spill off is gonna fund a Roth IRA contribution for this year. And that's a nice way to look at it. I also think that right now, I don't think you necessarily need a financial advisor that you have on call for the rest of your life, but you have an opportunity right now that you don't want to blow. And so I think now would be a really good time to sit down with somebody and just chart it out. This is the age at which I think I'm going to want to stop working. This is how much money I think I'm going to need to have. This is where I think I might live. Knowing all of these things could potentially change. And just use that as some wind to carry you into the next few years and feel confident that you're doing right by this money.
4: Yeah, for sure. Which I mean, it's great. It's great advice. And I also like it's just something I have the luxury as an actor to even think of, of, especially like as an actor at 34 to even be able to think about where my retirement money is going. Most of us are like paycheck to paycheck. So I definitely want to take advantage of it. And I feel like I just know it's there and it just kind of sits there. I don't I know there are some investment accounts I would have to be better with my money and look.
1: You absolutely have to look. Looking is non negotiable, and a financial advisor will help you do that. I understand that among your side gigs, you've got a podcast. I do. It's new. Tell us about that.
4: (laughs) It's called the Grieving Girl podcast. When my mom died, I was kind of like so lost. I was like, there's got to be something out there for me to like listen to. Not like any podcast was going to have any advice for me to like get through what I was about to get through, but just maybe I'd hear something enlightening because now I was the executor of the estate. Not only am I just trying to get through the grief, but the business of death is wild. And there really wasn't anything that was clicking for me. So I decided since I was pretty active on my social media, I just couldn't go back to posting on the internet like nothing happened. So I started the podcast just to host conversations amongst millennials. We laugh, we cry, we try to keep it light. Because it's such a heavy topic that like, if you're already feeling heavy, you don't want to be listening to something heavy either. So I try to keep a little bit of lightness amongst something that's so daunting for so many people.
1: We will check it out. And I'm sure that our listeners will check it out as well. It's The Grieving Girl. It's on all the platforms. Bonnie, thanks for being on our 400th show. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks for your advice. And now we're going to take a quick break. All that and so much more is available on Think Fast, Talk Smart. Listen every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts, or on YouTube. Hey there, listeners! It's Nima Gobier.
3: I'm the co-host of Mindshift, the podcast where we explore the future of learning and how we raise our kids. I don't teach
5: math. I don't teach reading. I teach
2: people.
3: You'll hear from teachers, parents, researchers, and students as we uncover innovative approaches in and out of the classroom.
2: It holds a lot about how we want students and young people to move through the world, how we want to set them up for success. Find
3: MindShift wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And we are back with our 400th episode, Ask Me Anything, where you asked me your most pressing questions live. Finally, let's hear from Denise, who's recently paid off her condo. Congrats on that, Denise, and is wondering where to put that extra money now that it's not going to her mortgage payment. Hey, Denise, where are you calling in from? Hi, Jean. I'm calling in from
5: Minneapolis, Minnesota.
1: Amazing. I grew up in the Midwest myself.
5: Has winter hit you already? Uh, Not quite yet, but it is getting a little cold.
1: Soon enough, right? (laughs) How can I help today? What's your question?
5: Well, my question is, I'm exploring what my spouse and I's next steps should be. We're planning on having our mortgage paid off next year, middle of next year. So with that $2,000 that we've been putting towards our mortgage now, I'm not sure what we should do with that. If we should put it into a high yield savings account or put in stackable cds or what we should do with that money invest it i'm kind of (laughs) lost
1: yeah no it's a good trade-off question right there are so many different options in order to answer it i need to know a little bit more about your life so tell me about you and your spouse how old are you guys what are your plans for retirement how much you have stashed away for retirement now and how that compares to your income. And we can sort of take that one by one. So tell me a little bit about you.
5: Uh, I am 52 years old and I work as a therapist. I have a private practice in St. Paul, Minnesota that I own. And then I work full time for an insurance company, more of a corporate job. So I have kind of two things that I do. And my spouse is 62, and she's a dean at the University of Minnesota. Retirement plans, probably in the next five years or so for her, I'll probably step down a little bit with my work. Our plans for retirement is to stay here in our condo that'll be paid off so that we can stay in other places for a few months at a time. We're not planning on buying another second house anywhere, but she has family in Singapore. So we'll spend some time there and then some time here. And then our retirement right now, we have about, I think, 1.2, 1.3 million, depending on the market (laughs) for the day. And will she get a pension because of her job? No, she does not get a pension. I have the 401k, she has a 403b, and then I have a little Roth and a couple IRAs. Okay. Yeah. And how much do you guys earn together? Together, it's around 280, and no children or dependents, no other responsibilities. Just the two of you. So I would
1: probably look at heavying up on retirement. You have some emergency savings in a high yield savings account now?
5: Yes, we have a little over 80 in a high yield savings account. Okay. That has worked out well for when we have an $8,000 emergency like the water heater and things like that.
1: When you are looking toward retirement, what we know is that we have these benchmarks and you guys are right about where you should be for your age. You're a little behind to where you should be for her age and her retirement. The fact that your house will be paid off is a really nice way to go into retirement, right? Not to have to worry about the cost of that beyond taxes, insurance, upkeep, maintenance, that sort of thing. But when I look at this opportunity to stash away more, I'd try to get a little further ahead on those benchmarks before you're both retired. So I would probably leave the money that you've got in the high-yield savings account. I don't think that you've got too much in there that's liquid. I think especially with one person heading into retirement, you want it to be fairly liquid. And then I would put the rest in your retirement accounts. If you have the ability to stash away more in a tax-advantaged way, I would do that. We know that the limits on 401k contributions and 403b contributions are going up. You
5: guys are eligible to make
1: catch-up contributions. You should be doing that. What do you have as far as health insurance?
5: We both have it through our employers. So the premiums are paid by our companies. Are either of you in an HSA? Oh, yes, I have an HSA. My spouse doesn't, but I do.
1: If you're looking for another way to put aside money in a tax-advantaged way and you exhaust your ability to do it through your 401ks and 403bs, go to that HSA and make sure you're maxing out the contributions there. And then think about paying for healthcare whatever you need out of your current spending dollars and letting the money in that HSA continue to grow. The benefit of an HSA is that like a Roth IRA, that money just grows. And when you need it in retirement or any time down the road for a qualified medical expense, you can just pull it out. You don't have to pay any taxes on it. So if you have health expenses now and you save your receipts, then you can use those receipts any time in the future against money that you pull out of that HSA for medical expenses. So it's a, it's a really nice way to build a supplemental retirement savings account. So I would look at doing that as well. And I think you guys are really doing fine. You are on a good pace. It looks like you're saving a decent amount of money. You may at some point want to sit down with a financial advisor and do a pre-retirement checkup and just chart it out. This is what our cost of living looks like. This is what it looks like once we've paid off the condo. This is how much we expect to spend on our trips abroad. And we want to make sure that we have the opportunity to do that. Do we have enough money or do we need to save more? That's really the question.
5: And I think you're doing great. Okay. I appreciate the direction with the HSA accounts because I put money in and take it out throughout the year. So it's like an airport for me. But I think going forward, I'll leave that and let it grow (laughs) and uh, max out the 401k because I'm not exhausting that. I can put more money towards that.
1: That sounds perfect. Just one more tip on the HSA. You're going to need to turn on the investing option. So reach out to the provider of that account and tell them that you want to invest the money. And then just look for a simple fund that lines up with how you're investing your 401k. There should be something that looks like a balanced fund or a target date fund or a life cycle fund.
5: Okay, that sounds good.
1: Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thank you for joining us for our 400th
5: episode. We're very excited to have you. Thank you again. I've been a long time listener. Thanks, Denise. Have a good rest of the day. You too.
1: Thanks for joining me today on Her Money. And thank you so much to this incredible community of women, whether you have been with me since day one or you are a new listener. We appreciate all of you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We love hearing what you think. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Edelman Financial Engines. Her Money is produced by Haley Pascalides. This show is mixed and mastered by CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Video Helper and our show comes to you through Megaphone. Check out our new podcast, How She Does It with Karen Feinerman for intimate cocktail party style conversations with today's most talented female leaders. This podcast is also part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. You can find us and other shows like us at airwavemedia.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk soon.